Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, not joined today by Alex Kessler. He lost an embarrassing bet that put me on the podcast as the host today. Just kidding, he's out of town. What's going on? We've got a special guest in-house, Mr. Michael Grothy. What's happening, Michael? Hi, everyone. You're back. You're back on the show. I'm back on the show. Yeah, it's fun. It's nice to have you back. We're going to be talking magic cards today. So uh, this is the podcast on uh, Collected.Company that talks modern. Uh, We exclusively talk about the modern format. There's a lot of fun stuff coming up on the show today. We are going to be talking about Grand Prix Hartford, a really interesting top eight, and actually even further, an interesting top 16. So uh, we'll be getting to that. Uh, But a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. As I mentioned, I am Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter or Instagram. Um, Michael, do you have social that you use, or do you try to generally stay away from it? Um, I'm on the Masters of Modern Facebook group. Uh, I am also an occasional user of the Masters of Modern Discord. Oh, yeah, that exists. It does exist, yep. I don't really post much on Twitter uh, or Instagram or anything like that. For those of you who are hearing Michael's voice for the very first time, Michael ran the magic program at our local shop for a very long time. He uh, now designs games and develops games with Alex, working for Kesco, which is Alex's company, that I also work for. So we all work in an office here together, and uh, we talk magic a lot, and we both have an affinity for spicy magic cards. So That's right. So Michael is here to fill in for Alex, and... Uh, as I said, we're going to be talking about that. We also are going to be talking about uh, like lowland and manaless, uh, landless decks. So like your kind of charbelcher strategies and things of that variety. There's a few of them floating around in modern. Should be kind of an interesting discussion at the end of the show. Um, where can people find that Facebook group you mentioned? That's an important thing to point out. They can. Uh, it. It's the I believe it's called the Masters of Modern official group or something like that on Facebook. And if you search Masters of Modern on Facebook, it should pop up. It's a it's a Facebook group. Uh, it's pretty active. A lot of people talking about modern in there. You get to see a lot of you know interesting discussion and interesting deck lists people are posting and. Um, it's a good place to be. Yeah, it's, I'm uh, there. <laughs> it's got like 4,000 people in it now, and so it's it's kind of taken on a life of its own. When you go in there, you try to find out information on just about anything. One of the coolest things is you can ask a question. Like, for instance, if you say, hey, I want to I wanna find a Boggles group, somebody in there will like tag you and be like, oh, yeah, this is the 1,200-person Boggles group that exists on Facebook. You can get all the information you need. So that's like a pretty cool resource. Um, I definitely go in there a lot. And, uh, and I actually pull information from that Facebook group for a show that I do called 10 Minutes of Modern. Now, a lot of you guys remember the show was on Anchor for a long time. It's no longer on Anchor. It's actually on Facebook and YouTube now through Wizardry Foundry, the company that makes the Grimoire deck box and all other cool products. They hired me to continue doing the show. And because I thought this would be cool, when they hired me, I was like, I need a marketing budget. I want to give away magic cards because that was that way people would find the show. So they did it. So we're giving away cards. We have a free foil Tarmogoyf we're giving away right now. All you have to do is find the videos. uh, And you you can find the videos on the Masters of Modern Facebook group or on Wizardry Foundry's page. Yeah, on Wizardry Foundry's page. Exactly. So that's how to find it. All all you have to do to enter is you just like click the Rafflecopter link, which is in the description, and you're entered to win a free card. So we're going to be giving away a bunch of cards over the course of the next month. Check that out. It's a good thing to be doing. Let's talk magic. We'll uh, we'll get back to the uh, the further shoutouts later on in the show. So this Grand Prix in Hartford was won by Matt Nass. And it was won with a deck that like recently has been showing up again and that's Matt Nass uh, that's Iron the the Clark Clan Ironworks combo. 
So for those of you that are like unfamiliar with the Ironworks combo, this is a big mana artifact deck. It's sort of like a stormy artifact type of deck. A lot of their cards look pretty similar to like a like a Tron shell, where you have four Chromatic Star, four Chromatic Sphere, just because they you know are artifacts that help you turn through your deck. Yeah, yeah, it's playing all of the. It's it, exactly. It's got pieces of eggs in it. It's got pieces of Tron in it. Um, what's funny about this deck is that. Alex and I have been talking now for a while that Ancient Stirrings, the uh, one green look at the top five and put a colorless card into your hand, is just the best cantrip in Modern. And it just is. <laughs> like, this deck just won a Grand Prix and it's playing four Ancient Stirrings. So it's funny that that card just continues to show up in different strategies and just gets better and better and better. Obviously, it's a Lynchpin card and Lantern. Um, there have been a lot of decks now that have won Grand Prix playing four Ancient Stirrings. I would say the big card that pushed this deck over the edge, though, is Scrap Trawler. Yeah, and it took people a little while to discover it. I mean, it's just been this year that people have noticed that Scrap Trawler really pushes this deck over the top, but people hadn't... I mean, Scrap Trawler's been out for a while now. Months, yeah, yeah. A little while now. More than a year, right? Because it came out in uh, Aether Revolt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet card. Definitely a really cool card. And when it it was printed, I think a lot of us all kind of looked at each other and were like, oh, there's got to be something cool you can do with this, right? I mean, this is the nature of, of... Brewers, especially like me, like I mean, this is exactly my kind of card. I love artifacts. Yeah, yeah. Are... I'm sure that there were some Grand Architect Scrap Trawler decks on your uh, yeah. on your app on your phone for a while that you were playing around with when this card came out. Yeah, on my deck app, I definitely messed around with Scrap Trawler a lot. Um, it's just a it's just a cool card. Um, it's not overpowered, busted, insane, but it's like a really good engine card, and it makes this Ironworks combo deck possible. So what ends up happening with this deck is you. When I'm looking at this list here. Michael, can you explain to me how this deck actually wins? Yeah, sure. So you're you're basically um, doing the the eggs thing with Scrap Trawler and Mirror Retriever. So you're like, um, you know, using Mox Opal and Mindstone uh, for a little bit of fast mana to get your Ironworks out as quickly as possible. And you're using Chromatic Star and Chromatic Sphere to kind of churn through your deck and find the Ironworks. Uh, and also you can sacrifice Mindstone or Pyrite Spellbomb or Terrarion. Um, a lot of these just like little cards that don't really do anything on their own. Uh, and then you are trying to get Scrap Trawler and Kirkland Ironworks on on the battlefield uh, and Mirror Retriever. And then you are cycling through your deck by sacrificing the Chromatic Stars and Terrarions and Iker Wellsprings to Ironworks because they will generate mana and draw you a card. So then you're like netting all this mana and then you're using Scrap Trawler, you're sacrificing it to get back, or you're sacrificing, you know, when you sacrifice an Anchor Wellspring, you can get back a Chromatic Sphere, you can sac Mox Opal for mana, and then when you sacrifice the Chromatic Sphere, or Star, you get back the Mox Opal, and you're just generating tons of mana, and um, and then you sacrifice Scrap Trawler to get back Mirror Retriever, you sacrifice Mirror Retriever to get back Scrap Trawler, and so you're just kind of going through your whole deck this way by drawing tons of cards off of Scrap Trawler, and making tons of mana, and then you kill them with Pirate Spell Bomb, uh, by getting it back with Scrap Trawler and uh, just shooting them a bunch in the head with all this mana that you're producing. So you can just do it over and over again. You can just... Yep. Because because you're looping, retreating. Yeah, I mean, eventually you're having like multiple stars and spheres that are drawing, and Iker Wellsprings are drawing two each time you play and sack them. But then Scrap Trawler is the real engine that allows you to get back these cards multiple right, times right. so that you can actually be drawing past like clumps of lands. You know, you can draw three, four lands or yeah. ancient stirrings or cards that just like don't really do anything in the moment. I guess Ancient Stirrings gets you closer, but, you know, uh, that don't really do anything in the moment, you're able to draw past them because you have so much draw power because of Scrap Trawler, because you're able to get back 
every time you sacrifice something, you're getting back something else that's probably drawing you a card. For sure. So that's interesting. That definitely that's definitely in the vein of eggs. Um, and it feels. Yeah. Here's the thing with these decks, and this is one thing that I, I've noticed over the years now covering modern is that. At first, when these decks start winning, everybody's really excited because it's something that hasn't shown up in a long time, or it's like a card like Karkland. Ironworks is a card people have liked for a long time. People have wanted. Yeah, to I mean, I've card. seen people playing Ironworks before. At uh, I sat next to. Uh, I remember this. I it was when before there were PPTQs. It was the last like modern PTQ that I played in. Um, so it was a big tournament. It was like I don't know 150 people or whatever, um, which was actually kind of a low turnout for Los Angeles PTQs, but. Um, so the guy I was sitting next to was playing a Kirk Clan Ironworks deck, and there was like a time when my opponent was thinking about something, and I was just kind of watching him go off. My opponent might have been watching him too, I don't know, but we were just kind of watching him go yeah. off. Yeah. But at the time, the deck was looking to generate all this mana and cast Emrakul because it didn't have the consistency of Scrap Trawler, and so what ended up happening with his deck is he's playing Iker Wellsprings and Chromatic Stars and whatever, and sacking them to generate a bunch of mana, and he like looks at his hand, looks at his opponent, and he just like has 20 mana in his mana pool, six cards in hand, and he's like, go right because yeah. he didn't draw the emerald and he just had nothing to do yeah that's what I mean, the that- scrap trawler really pushes it over the top it allows you to get past those clunky fizzle moments by just having so much card draw when i looked at this list just now i was a little surprised and that's why i looked over at you and asked for you to tell me how the deck won because in my I, for some reason i remembered the deck being an emerald deck yeah um, previously it had been but you, yeah. you can draw your entire deck with consistency now because of scrap trawler that you don't even need emerald yeah interesting so that was the first place deck um the the second place deck was piloted by michael mapson um, and I believe it was, I think it was Boggles, right? Am I making that up? No, it was Amulet Titan. That's right. Titan got second place this tournament. So this is another one when we talk about decks that were cool when they started, and then people started to hate them after they started winning. Amulet Titan was like that, and then they banned Summer Bloom, and we occasionally will see this version of Amulet Titan show up now. So Also, one of the, one of the uh, you know, one of the players who had this deck rise to prominence was caught for cheating and sneaking the perfect seven onto the top of his deck because this is a great deck when you have a perfect seven. <laughs> oh yeah, it's an insane deck. It's an insane deck. I mean, it's just solitaire when you have a perfect seven. I mean, so is Ironworks. I mean, yeah. so we're like, yep, a, yep. So like, that's a pretty funny. That's a pretty funny uh, uh, finals matchup. But looking at this list here that is being piloted by Michael Mapson, it's not really that different than from like the lists that we've seen over the, in the past little while. Yeah, I mean, one Reclamation Sage is starting to show up. The one Pact of Negation is interesting. I yeah, don't know I that like a lot that. of these Amulet Titans are playing it, but with Teleria West, it just gives you a little That's bit more flexibility. Reason. Yeah, exactly. And then Reclamation Sage gives you a little bit of flexibility with Summoner's Pact to blow up, you know, Kirk Clan Ironworks or whatever or you need something. to blow up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this deck is, yeah, interesting. Interesting enough. Um... I'm going to kind of run through the rest of the top eight here in no particular order. That was the, the, the finals deck. So you have... Uh, so Matt- I heard that there was a moment actually in the in the finals of this Grand Prix where uh, where the Amulet Titan player was able to tutor up and play the one of Rurikthar in the sideboard, which is a deck, oh, which is a card that snap. there's no way Kirk Clan Ironworks can ever beat uh, because <laughs> they're like playing all these stupid artifacts and they can only play four of them before they die. Uh, but the Kirk Clan Ironworks player was able to block it with two scrap trawlers because it has to attack each turn of Fable <laughs> and kill it and then go off and win. <laughs> Rurikthar, that's so good. Oh, man funny what set was rurikthar originally from uh dragon's maze 
Okay, okay. So it's just basically a worth nothing card. And worth nothing with. card. Yeah, I was in an intro pack. Too. That's right. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, sweet, sweet. Um, all right, so continuing to get through this top eight, we're going to run through it a little quicker now. Um, you have Matt Gron playing Elves. This is the black-green Elves deck. We have seen a lot of this deck show up. There's nothing here, really, that stands out as being very different. Um, the four-lead, the Stampede, is a little bit more, like updated but that's still something people have been doing yeah i've seen it before but it's not it's not brand new no i mean you have you have uh, four collected company here and four lead the stampede whereas other versions of this deck would be playing instead of lead the stampede they'd be playing uh, court of calling and so this is just a little yeah. bit more of an all-in i'm going to kill you with lots of good elves deck yeah i've also seen sometimes people playing um the oh no i'm blanking on the name i don't do this that often it's the four mana at two two elf with trample that when it enters the battlefield you look the top five or four and put elves into your hand yeah yeah yeah. it's the, it's the i remember um, when that card came out people were like playing that a little bit in the lead the stampede quarter calling slot but yeah i think it's mostly falling out of favor it's from origins and it's the um i think it's from origins it's a re- it is yeah it was originally from onslaught yeah right it's part of that cycle there was one for there was one for each of them. The, uh, the there was a merfolk one. There's a goblin one. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a soldier a, one. There's goblins, soldiers, uh, elves, zombies. I, maybe I don't think uh, there was a zombies. Was the blue one merfolk? Definitely. It's called title courier. I think uh, this is a card that you've played with before. I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called title courier. Maybe it's like a one. I believe you. You snapped it off so quickly. <laughs> there's no way it's anything else. Um. So that's the elves deck um again looking at the sideboard here nothing that's super interesting uh two different boggles lists showing up in the top eight you have kellen pastor playing a boggles list and you have another one piloted by jonathan sharp now the most interesting thing about these is that the tech from a couple months ago that started us out which is playing four main deck leyland of sanctity is now standard in boggles that's just like you build the deck and you have to have your four horizon canopies and you have to have your four ley lines and that's like what you start with when you build the deck now yeah and your eight boggles obviously yeah yeah i I do think it's interesting that um that you know uh one of these players uh what's the name here uh jonathan sharp is actually playing three cartouche of solidarity yeah um and ken uh kellen pastor is not uh it's interesting to see like the differences that both of these decks were able to top eight despite like you know metagaming differently right because obviously the person playing the cartouches is expecting a lot of like liliana's um or other edict effects although i think liliana is the only one that really gets played in modern uh with uh any you know consistency but but uh you know ken pastor or kellen pastor was able to you know get around liliana with just the one dryad arbor uh you know Right. didn't need the cartouche not even in the sideboard so it's just interesting to see that like these two players who obviously were approaching the metagame differently with the exact same deck were able to perform it shows how diverse the metagame is really i think yeah yeah 100 percent. i mean and it is always so cool to see over time how uh you know introductions like like the cartouches which seemed like such sort of innocuous limited cards that yep. even in limited were like fine they were like good and limited I yeah because you could return your uh your uh, red one, trials right? you could return your trials to your hand with the cartouches that was one of the things that made him powerful was the red cartouche the good one or the blue one uh they're both good yeah you play the white one too if you have the white trial right <laughs> although it wasn't the best one. Oh no it was black and green were the best ones in limited okay but blue is seeing play in standard actually there's kind of a standard bogles deck now that plays right the blue one. right right <laughs> Um, yeah, but so those those are the uh, the Bogles decks that have shown up. So that's that's definitely kind of interesting to see that the format has now gone to a place where 
And I think it's because largely, you know, you have all your classic cards that are really, really good as far as your, your cards that target, but you also have a couple other really major cards that have shown up and become very, very, very A-class. So in my opinion, I think Leyland of Sanctity is a direct reaction to the fact that every single deck that plays black not only plays hand disruption, but also plays collective brutality now. And brutality is such a good card and shows up so often in so many decks it's just like one more reason that if you're going to do it, just play Leyline. Because like, you have a good chance of going up against at least a couple decks that are playing Thoughtseizes, Inquisitions, Leylines, Liliana's. Um, yeah, I mean, the Liliana is like a, a, a big part of the reason to play Leyline, too. It gives you just a little bit more protection from those edict effects. Yeah, and I don't mean, I don't mean that they're playing Leyline against uh, Brutality because Brutality can target a Boggle. I just mean that in general, that's like a card. Well, that yeah, gonna... but Brutality does target you and gets a card out of your hand. And like a lot of times, well, I think it's more for Thoughtseize, but a lot of the time in Boggles, you're like ending up keeping a hand with one Boggle and like hoping for the best. Right. And then if they have a Thoughtseize and you're on the draw, you might just lose. Exactly, exactly. So... Uh, you had a couple of those in the top eight. Uh, continuing through this top eight, you also have uh, uh, Frank Scarn playing Affinity. Again, looking here, the one thing about this deck that stands out to me, you know, you have a couple like interesting one-ofs. You have the one-of Glintness Crane, which is something we've seen before. I'm a big fan of one-of Glintness Crane. Yeah, I like it. And then the other interesting thing is this version is playing two main deck Welding Jar. And people go in and out of playing Welding Jars in the main and in the side. Two main is a pretty aggressive move. That's That's definitely hedging pretty hard. Um, just assuming there's a lot of black red decks playing a lot of removal, yep. Um, which is true. You I know, mean, it's like pretty hard for Affinity to beat Colligan's Command without Mox Opal and or not uh, <laughs> with uh, without Welding Jar. Yeah, I mean, I think that Welding Jar is a great reaction because with black red or with Mardu Pyromancer becoming such more of a prominent deck, it's now becoming like a deck that you see show up a lot. It's a fan favorite right now. Yeah. So if you're going to go up against that deck, you sort of need the Welding Jar. Well, and also you know with Bloodbraid back in the format, there's a ton of Jun decks that are playing you know maxing out on Colgan's commands to try right. and cascade into it because that's like you know unbeatable for a lot of decks that are looking to play a longer game super super good um and rounding out the rest of the top eight we have gene friedman playing burn uh and max mcvetty playing hollow one so this burn deck there's not a lot of innovation in burn these days it's just <laughs> it's exactly what you'd expect i mean one of grim lava mancer is the closest thing to innovation i can see here but that's even just that's yep. just one of those flex <laughs> slots that you see people mess around with it's like even the sideboard is pretty much a totally standard i guess two ensnaring bridges is a little bit less common. yeah i mean it i've seen it before but it's yeah <laughs> yeah like the only yeah pretty much that deck's that deck um hollow one by max mcvetty is the other deck in the top eight and this is funny because the, <laughs> well we talked about this this morning goblin Lore's 40 dollars right now this yep is, so for those of you that are like not tuned in totally to modern and like what the absurdity of that is Goblin Lore is an uncommon from M uh, from Magic no not M10 it's from uh, no it's like 8th edition 10th edition 10th edition is the version that oh it's 10th okay yeah and it's uh, it's one red one colorless sorcery draw four cards and discard three at random and it's good in this deck because it creates the extra opportunities that you need to add to your your burning inquiries. And it makes Hollow One free. I mean, there's only so many two mana cards that are going to make Hollow One free. Yeah, you get a two mana four four and and sometimes eight power on turn two easily. And you want guards in your graveyard with this deck, so you don't really care. But it's just so funny if you look at this whole entire deck list. Goblin Lore is far and away the most expensive card. Yeah, I mean, before before it was printed, this was like a, a good budget option for getting into the format. I mean, Seriously. you don't need your mana base to be incredible for this deck to be effective. I mean, obviously, the better your mana base is, the more consistent it's going to be. But you can play this with mostly basics. You know, start picking up Fetches and Shocks and, Bloods and uh, Black Cleave Cliffs when you can. And everything else was cheap. You know, Blood Gas was kind of expensive, but then it got reprinted. And now it's like you're looking at a... 
a hundred and sixty dollar price tag for your playset of goblin lores. <laughs> I mean, and, and Black Leaf Cliffs skyrocketed too. Black Leaf Cliffs is over forty now. It's yeah. like forty four dollars. Yeah, because the resurgence of Coligan's Command decks and this. Yeah, it's crazy. So I mean, th- this deck definitely. It's still a really fun deck, and it's definitely a deck that I still recommend playing because people just focus on people focus so much on the Hollow One, like that's the card that they focus on. It's called Hollow One, but they don't talk that much about Flameblade Adept and Flamewake Phoenix, which are two of the sweetest cards in the deck. Oh yeah, I mean I'm I'm happy that Flamewake Phoenix is starting to show up in Modern because like any card that you can get back from your graveyard for one mana is like seems like it's worth looking at. But all the dredge creatures are so small that it didn't really find a home there. So it's cool that like Flamewake Phoenix is starting to show up. Yeah, for sure. Flamewake is, is really awesome. It's a really good card. Um, so that's going to pretty much wrap up our discussion of the top eight here. That's that's what's going on in Modern. That's kind of the state of Modern right now. I definitely feel like Modern's in a place where there's quite a bit of... The decks feel like they're in just in two halves. There's poop everything onto the battlefield and try to go off as fast as you can, whether it's totally solitaire like Kark Clan or it's something like Goblin Lore or uh, like like Hollow One, which is just trying to kind of just vomit their whole hand. Affinity's the same way. Or yep. it's super interactive, like black-red decks and blue-white decks that are playing tons and tons and tons of removal and burn and hand Yeah, and there's like even more unusual stuff. You know, in the top 16, there's like... Uh blue moon with through the breach there's uh, blue black taking turns there's yeah, right. uh you know there's just outside of the top eight there's like all these other unusual strategies showing up too i think modern's in a pretty healthy place i mean it's definitely it feels pretty exciting right now to be following the format um i don't feel like jace or Bloodbraid hurt the format at all i know I, I mean there were there were no jaces or Bloodbraids in that top eight no in the top 16 i believe there was one jun deck there's one jund yeah i'm looking at it now two copies of jace in taking turns and i think there's two copies of jace in that blue moon deck yep in the sideboard yeah so like that's what we're dealing oh there's living end in the top 16 too yeah i mean making it an appearance yeah like literally top 16 decks at a modern grand prix in this last weekend you have a total of four copies of blood raid elf and man oh there were two two jund in the top 16 yeah okay two two jund so Definitely pretty interesting stuff. Um, that is the the first bit of news for the show today. That's what's going on. Uh, we have Dominaria coming out this weekend. Uh, we're not coming out, but the pre-release is this weekend. Are you going to be playing in a pre-release? Yeah, I'm going to be playing in a pre-release tomorrow. Yeah, me too. Me too. We can play at the same store. I, th- I think so. Your yeah. old store, Heidi Ho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds fun. <laughs> what What time are you going? Uh, I am going to be going at 10 o'clock. Oh, this is kind of fun. I actually get to announce something really cool here uh, because now it's been announced. I'm on game nights. It comes out next week. Um, and it's we're playing the format is Brawl, which is the new Commander 60 card standard version. And I got to build a deck and play games. And uh, I can say nothing about how the games went, but me and Cassius Marsh, the football player, who's an awesome dude, joined Jimmy and Josh. And that who was your brawler? Can you say? Uh, yeah, yeah. My I, I was I was revealed as playing Joyra. Nice. Um, new Joyra. Yeah, 3-3 three, three for 4 Joyra, which is a A little bit of artifact card. value. That certainly seems up your alley. Yeah, it was it was really, really, really fun. So I can't wait for everybody to watch that. Um, I, I, I like love it. And I, I think a lot of people know... A lot of people know that over the years, it's taken me a bit of time to, to fully embrace and get super, super excited about brewing in formats other than just like straight up modern. And I know. I know. Alex is always on you about making a commander deck. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've had so much fun. I got to play last summer, uh, hang with Jimmy and Josh and playing like my Brea deck. And now I'm building a SIG deck. And so this was a really great exercise to get full, like further immersed in that and get super stoked on it. So um, I had an absolute blast and I cannot wait. Um, I'm going to pause this. 
Um, so this is kind of cool. I get to announce something, actually. I am in an episode of Game Nights, the show with Jimmy and Josh, by the way, who we haven't given the shout out to quite yet. I was saving it for, uh, for this moment, but uh, they have a great podcast called uh, The Command Zone on the Collective.company, which is the same place you can find our show. And uh, they have this other awesome show that they do called Game Nights, which I think you've watched before. Yep. It's basically like a reality TV-esque sort of version of uh, a game of Commander. You go and you sit down and you play the game and you like kind of give your commentary about what happened in the game and it's all edited together and it's a really good show. Yeah, really nice production value. Yeah, um, unbelievable. So they invited me on to do the Dominaria episode, which is playing a format called Brawl, which was recently announced. It's basically Commander, except it's 60 cards and it's only standard legal. And so we played, I have played with 30 life, right? 30 life. I've played with all of Dominaria's cards now, uh, which is exciting. So I I have, I didn't get to say that I had done that, but now I've done it. Um, and yeah, that it's going to come out next week. So me and me and Cassius Marsh are on the episode together. And I played, I played commander last summer with Cassius and Jimmy and Josh, um, in Vegas and had a super, super fun time. So this was a really, really fun time. Kind of get to do like a reunion type of thing and get more, uh, more immersed in this new format. Yeah, I know. Alex has been bugging you for a while to get into commander. And I know you were slow at first, but, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've, I feel like I've embraced it now. So I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm that's good. Who is your brawler? Can you tell us? Yeah. Yeah. I got to play with the Joyra. Uh, four mana Joyra. Nice. Which, uh, yeah. So a little was, bit of artifact, artifact value. That's right up your alley. Yeah, exactly. Drawing cards. So, so I can't wait for you guys to watch that. Go check it out. It is definitely, it's up next week and, uh, and Dominary is a super sick set. So, um, thank you to Jimmy and Josh for the invite on that. And I can't wait to, uh, to unveil my brand new Sig River Cutthroat deck that I've been working on forever now. Nice. Um, I don't want to play any card in commander that costs more than two mana. So I'm just, <laughs> just working on that. Just trying to find some way I can do it. Um, all right, guys, uh, we're going to continue, uh, talking about the, the subjects, for today, so there was a list posted by Corbin Hostler recently, uh, Mining Modern, talking about Motto Green Charbelcher, and it brought to mind something that I think is really cool and really interesting that's been going on, which is Modern is getting wide enough now and, ha- and has enough sort of interesting and weird mana sources. People are starting to build decks like Charbelcher decks, or, or I saw this crazy Relentless Rats deck the other day. That yeah, with Surgical it. Extraction, where they like... Are playing serum powder to find their like yeah. you know small handful of lands exactly. and then get a relentless rats in their graveyard. I don't remember how it does it because I'm having trouble finding the list now. But uh, and then you surgical extraction your own relentless rats to just right. have a super thin deck with lab maniac and a little bit of card draw to just like win. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely it's definitely like a pretty interesting place now to be watching modern and seeing. Obviously, we just talked about that top eight and some of the top sixteen, but even more than that starting to recognize that you can do weird out of the ordinary like not traditional things in this format and they keep printing more cards so not that i think it's going to make much of an impact in decks like this but they just printed mox amber which we're going to all get to play with this weekend yeah i mean another mox certainly opens up you know the gates for more of these decks like you were saying that are just looking to dump out their hand as quickly as possible because you know affinity is using mox opal to do it and um, like Hollow One is using uh, Hollow One and Gurmag Angler, these right. cards that give you a big discount. And Mox Opal is just like another card that can potentially let you dump out a bunch of stuff on turn two or whatever. One of the things that I think is really a sort of a, and I wonder if they thought about this in design for Mox Amber, but there's a sort of a, a sort of a tenuous design when you think, okay, we already have one, we already have one Mox in Modern. And we're going to make this other mox in modern that actually turns on the first mox because if you play them both, it makes access to opal and using it easier. Well, except that it may turn on opal, but amber can't be activated because it only reacts to colors. Right, right. It only it, you have to make 
mana of any color amongst uh, legendary. So having a legendary colorless permanent doesn't yeah. matter. It produces nothing, which is funny because in my mind I was like, oh, there has to be a way to use these two together, and you really can't. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, actually, let me let me see if I can find it. I remember when they first spoiled the card, uh, Frank Karsten, who's a known uh, affinity uh player wrote yep. an article about wh- the ways he thought was the best way to use mox amber and he came up with an affinity list that was playing it he said he doesn't know if it was ideal but it certainly would be like an interesting starting point for a deck like this let me let me see if i can bring it up right now cool um but yeah i think uh you know as you look that up here i'll talk a little further about this it's just it's just really cool to see I, and so some some of the mana sources that i want to talk about are as we said mox opal uh, Mox Amber, which is the new one. Uh, you have Chancellor of the Tangle, which is a card that I've tried brewing with many a time. Um, and if you fast guys are mana's fast mana, unfamiliar with what Chancellor does, I'll explain right now. Chancellor of the Tangle is a green creature. There was a Chancellor for each color that was printed in New Phyrexia, and the deal was there were these big creatures that were supposed to have some sort of early game effect if they were in your opening hand. So he is a green, green, green four for a six seven beast. You may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, at the beginning of your first main phase, add one green to your mana pool. has Vigilance and Reach. So it's one way in Modern to start the game with an extra mana in your mana pool. Only on turn one, only if it's in your opening hand. Otherwise, you're drawing a 6-7 Vigilance Reach for seven later in the game. But depending on what your deck is trying to do, turn one is the most important turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so you can play... The fact that you can play four Chancellor of the Tangle... Also, Simeon Spirit Guide, which you guys are all familiar with, I'm sure, that you can exile from your hand at any point to add one red to your mana pool, means you have access, in some cases, to pretty consistently two mana on turn one with those two cards. Now, that's been a thing in Modern for a long time, but what it means is, if you start to sort of think outside the box and get really clever about the way you're going to build your deck, you can really do some weird stuff and play like four, five, six, seven lands. Start to get into that sort of like legacy, Charbelcher kind of territory. Yeah, so, okay, I found this Mox Amber deck. Uh, it's it's uh, with Arayo. Um, oh, I love Arayo. <laughs> yeah, Arayo Soratami Ascendant, which is a two-mana creature. Uh, it's a 1-1, one, one, two-mana 1-1 one, one with flying. Whenever the fourth spell of a turn is played, uh, flip Arayo Soratami Ascendant, and then it flips into a legendary enchantment, uh, one of those flip cards from Kamigawa, Counter the first spell played by each opponent each turn, which is just going to be game over against a lot of decks. I mean, there's not a lot of decks. I mean, there are decks, but, you know, countering the first spell every turn, some decks just aren't going to be able to do anything. And some decks, like control decks, and some decks are just going to have to, like, fight to play around it, just, like, spewing cards. And you can just clean them up using a, you know, typical affinity play of, like, you know, Arcbound Ravager, Cranial Plating type stuff. Right. Um, So the legends in the deck are two Kithian Hero of Akros, because one mana legend that's like right. actually pretty playable, especially in a deck like Affinity, where you're attacking with a bunch of creatures. Um, Ovaya Pashiri, who makes artifact creatures <laughs> uh, from from Kaladesh. Uh, yeah, from Kaladesh. That's the weird... Like, she's old, another one mana legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like a, kind of like an old lady. Who's kinda, yeah, she's a 1-2, which is not irrelevant. It's fine, yeah. Um, and she can, you can pay three and tap her to make a 1-1... One, one, artifact servo or pay five to make a an xx artifact construct where x is the number of creatures you control it's like a little bit of a mana sink and it does make artifacts which is relevant um and you know you might be more in the need for mana sinks if you're playing four mox opal four mox amber four springleaf drum which (laughs) which this deck is sick 
Yeah, so that was like kind of an interesting take on actually playing the two in the same deck. So, uh, so the premise of this deck is you're supposed to be going like basically all in to cast multiple low impact one drops early in the game. Kithian isn't that low impact. I mean, if you can flip it relatively quickly using like Ornithopters or, you know, Vault Scourges, like other cheap creatures to kind of flip them on turn two or three, then you get a, a Planeswalker out of the deal, which is... Yeah. Some decks have trouble dealing with Planeswalkers. How many How many uh, lands is this deck playing? This deck is playing 14. Yeah, okay. So that's the same number of lands that were being played by whatever the last deck we were just talking about was. Um, which one? The Chancellor of the Spire? No, 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 no. Before that, I think it was one of the actual top eight decks uh that did something weird i'm just oh oh uh ironworks Ironworks. was playing well they were they had so the wizard sites sorted it weird i think he was playing 14 lands and then four dark steel citadel were in with artifacts on the wizard website so he's playing 18 18 lands which is a little i mean it's low but it's not super low i mean it's not 14 low it's not seven low like this chancellor of the spires deck you're talking about one of the things alex and i have talked about a lot recently is the fact that you know, it used to be in modern when the format was first introduced and people were playing more fair decks. Uh, you would see well, a after lot- after Pro Tour Philadelphia after they banned uh, yeah, right. you know the the obvious problem cards and made the format a little bit more balanced. So after that, you would see the the common number of lands played in a modern deck would range between twenty three and twenty seven, depending on the deck. Like you would have the like the control decks, the decks trying you know, yeah, and there'd decks. always burn at like twenty, but that's even, that was even more the of an anomaly. Decks I feel. Were really? like, even the burn decks twenty was like that was the like the bare bones bottom. Like nobody hmm. was skimming yet. That wasn't like a thing that started until the last couple years. And now it feels like if you're playing more than twenty two lands in modern, you are one of the only fair decks left. Like sure. twenty two is like a relatively high. I feel like nine. 19, 20 land, 17, 18 land. That's what you're seeing. Yeah, more I mean, and even more control now. decks are going low. I mean, with Field of Ruin, a lot of control decks are up in their land count since Field of Ruin is like kind of a spell that you just right. put in your deck. But pre Field of Ruin, I mean, I'm I was I've been playing Grixis Control, and I'm now playing Field of Ruin because it's really good. But um, but I was playing, yeah, I was playing 22 even in my control deck where I like am looking to cast four drops and stuff. Like you just have card filtering to find your lands and yeah. You didn't need as many. Yeah, it's really, it is really, really interesting. So I, what I wonder is like, we're just starting to scratch the surface here with decks like Belcher. And like you mentioned this Relentless Rats deck that I, I actually talked about this on 10 Minutes of Modern. I saw it, it was shared on the Facebook group by, I wish I had his name in front of me. And maybe just there's a chance that as I'm scrolling through here while we're talking, I'll see his name and I'll give him a shout out. But uh, somebody, somebody posted this list on here and it was so cool. I just thought it was such like an interesting, weird idea for a deck. Um, I believe he called it Ratatouille. Yeah. And uh, it played like 37 Relentless Rats, Surgical Extractions, like five total lands, three Emrakuls. It was playing uh, Sheldock Isle. Oh, four. that's right. It was Sheldock Isle. Emrakul was the main wing con in the deck. And then they had a Lab Maniac as a backup A plan. single Lab I forgot Maniac. about that. Yeah, exactly. I, thought, I remember the Lab Maniac. I did not remember the Emrakuls. Not really something I expected out of this deck. So the whole premise... I'm pretty sure is like <laughs> you draw your opener. They have four serum powder, as you mentioned, so that you can just like mulligan away your opener and just like try to get the right hand. But you basically open your hand, probably don't play a land, probably discard intentionally. If you have a surgical in your hand, discard a rat, surgical the rat. So you get rid of 38 or 40 of the cards in your deck or something like that. And you're, yeah, here it is. I just found it. It's posted by David Gould. Uh, and uh, I will read his list off. So David Gould, big shout out to you. This is the second time I've shouted you out in a couple of days because I think this is super fun. I hope you're one of the people who, who's on this group that actually listens to the show. <laughs> Some there are don't. a lot of people who are just here for the great modern content. It's so, true. Somebody, <laughs> somebody the other day when, uh, when I tweeted something 
responded to the tweet and was like, why should I care? Who are you? And it was like from the Masters of Modern Fate, like, like the Twitter yeah. account. It's like, okay, I get it. This has a life of its own. That I'm one of two people that are relevant on that account. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, give me a little bit of credit here. Come on. Um, but uh, yeah, it's playing, it's playing all the Relentless Rats. It's playing four Shelldock Isle, one Island, one Laboratory Maniac, three Emmercool, four Serum Powder, and four Surgical. That's the entire list. So <laughs> it like... I think the opening hand is supposed to go discard Relentless Rat, surgical it away, and then you are left with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 15 total cards, assuming you haven't serum powdered some away. Uh, it's just like kind of a fascinating idea for a deck. I don't actually know if it's any good. It might not be, but it, it is interesting that the card pool in Modern is getting such that you can experiment with interesting strategies like Charbelcher-style stuff or this. And at this point, they're not good. But people are brewing enough with these, you know, like extremely land-light, all-in combo decks that, like, it's certainly possible that eventually one of them is actually relevant. Yeah. You know, Balustrade Spy is, like, one of, a thing in Legacy. Oh, yeah, 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 people like We could that. get to the point where we have enough fast mana to build a Balustrade Spy deck oh, where, you, man. where you mill until you hit a land. Well, sometimes that's your whole deck in Legacy. <laughs> Balustrade Spy. Yeah, I definitely, I am definitely fascinated by the idea of the things we're talking about here. I think there's very, very cool stuff. Um, I don't know what the correct thing to be doing here is yet, but um, definitely, definitely a fun thing to pay attention to. So, um, yeah, that, so that pretty much covers the, uh, the top, top eight that we wanted to talk about. It covers sort of, do you, I mean, do you have any, any other ideas sort of in this world of things you'd want to be building with four five, six, seven, eight, nine land? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's not really my style as a more of a controlling player. I, I mean, the last couple times I've been on the podcast, I've been talking about, you know, what control deck I want to play at the next GP. So (laughs) playing a bunch of relentless rats and putting my opponent in the driver's seat is not really where I want to be as a player. But I do think it's interesting that like, you know, these decks can win. You know, nobody, nobody is like writing articles about these decks or brewing them up and posting them online unless they have seen at least a little bit of success, you know, and I'm sure that these decks are able to just steal wins off of, off of, you know, uh, some of these hollow one decks where they're like, here's a hollow one and a Gerbang angler on turn one. And you're like, okay, uh, here's an Emrakul. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I had built a, I had built a weird, like a, some weird deck at one point in my phone and, and who knows, like, I, I don't think there's anything here, but I had built this deck at one point. Yeah. I just found it. That was like, and this is, I'm looking at it now. So Gitaxian probe is still on this list. So obviously probe is now gone, but the premise behind what I was building was you were going to play four spirit guide and you were going to play four chancellor and you were going to play Scythe Tiger and, okay. ho- and Hooting Mandrels and, uh, and Tassiger. It was just like a five-color deck. Faithless Looting, Street Hand Wraith? Disruption. Uh, I don't have Street Wraiths in here. It's pretty right. good with the Delve creatures. Yeah, I probably this was probably... I mean, I built this a long time ago. This is probably sure, before yeah. Street Wraith was like a card people were playing in decks like that. Yep. But this is playing Thought Scour. The whole premise of this deck was try to play a threat and a piece of disruption on the same turn on turn one. Okay. So the idea was like, play Scythe Tiger... And also Thoughtseize on turn one or something like that. Okay. And uh, or or like resolve a four four and a Thoughtseize or like this was also playing Meddling Mage and also playing uh, Pithing Needle in, in in the main. Okay. So like, but it's worse now with Probe gone because like I wanted to be able to like probe somebody and then like needle their land and play Scythe Tiger in the same turn. Okay. So you were a little bit of the like legacy kind of stifle strategy in that Kinda, yeah. that regard with Pithing Needle Gitaxian Probe comboing to be a stifle. <laughs> yes, and and like the lootings and everything meant that you could then 
because like that's one thing I, I have uh, Manamorphos in here the whole idea was that playing Faithless Looting alongside Manamorphos and Chancellor of the Tangle was like a perfectly reasonable way to start the game yeah because like you get the extra land you loot away your Chancellor you don't want him in your hand anyway that's you're, true you're left with a you have card selection and you're left with one extra mana so now at this point you probably have filled your graveyard a little bit you can maybe play a delve creature like i don't know it was just just kind of a weird interesting idea it was never good enough for me to actually try to put anything together or like yeah i mean like the payoffs in some of these decks of just like outright killing your opponent with goblin charbelcher or putting an emrakul into play on turn three or whatever like those are payoffs worth building around having a four four in play and a pithing needle i don't know (laughs) the idea of playing thoughtseize and scythe tiger on turn one was just always like so fascinating i was like oh god that's so good (laughs) just like just like your opening hand is like chancellor of the tangle land manamorphose scythe tiger and Thoughtseize. And you just, like, do it all. You're just like, oh, God. They're like... I mean, I suppose there are some decks that are going to have trouble against the Scythe Tiger, but I don't know. I mean, everybody is... Scythe Tiger for the win. <laughs> any, any fair deck is probably playing some sort of Delve creature or Tarmogoyf or something that can just block Scythe Tiger. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. So uh, I, one, of, one of these days, one of these days, uh, I'm going to make Scythe Tiger work. Always, 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 always want to do. Do you have a card like that? Like that's Scythe Tiger is like one of my ten that I always come back to. That I'm like, there has to be a way to make this good. Um, that's a good question. Uh, Again, not as much your style. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that I'm not a regular host on the podcast. I, I'm, I don't think I'm as creative when it comes to magic decks as you guys. I mean, I love to see these creative decks, but it's, I'm not, not as much of a brewer myself. I, I. I like to play uh, combo decks and control decks, uh, more controlling side of combo. I played Scape Shift for many years. Um, but I, and every once in a while, I'll come up with like the spicy one of in my control deck, but right. it's never like, never anything like Scythe Tiger. <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot of Scythe Tigers out there, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that's going to kind of wrap up our discussion. What I want to know from you guys who are listening here today. Do you have any weird decks? So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very excited that I got to talk about David Gould's deck on here because it's exactly the kind of thing that I think is so fascinating with modern. I mean, that's what I love modern for is decks like that. So if any of you guys have a cool deck or, or something really weird that you think we should be talking about, uh, you know, f- follow me on Facebook or tag me on Twitter at Ben Bateman Media and let me know. And, uh, and I'll certainly bring it up on the show because I think it's one of the most interesting and coolest things that modern is doing right now is giving us the opportunity to do that. Before we get off of the show today i do want to remind everybody here you are listening to us on a zoom which is bought by the masters of modern patreon um there's a handful of you guys that support us on that which is super super awesome um we literally buy gear to bring you content with that money so anything you want to do to help us out with that is greatly greatly appreciated we don't make any money off this show we just do it for fun so um please help us out on the patreon patreon.com slash the mmcast check out kess products we're all over the u.s right now we're in target um you know that's that's a fun thing to do and uh and i think that's pretty much all of the shout outs unless i'm forgetting anything essential yeah i'm i no no reason to shout out any of my upcoming projects since i don't have any but (laughs) no uh projects you do have upcoming projects internally with the company i do and everybody will hear about that at the appropriate time (laughs) exactly there's some really really cool stuff happening there i guess my last thing is uh guys check out nerds and suits uh if some of you probably know this and some of you probably don't but i am very much immersed in the world of movie media uh tv and movie news so i have a company i launched called nerds and suits with anchor.fm you no longer have to listen to it on the anchor app you can literally hear nerds and suits content anywhere you can hear a podcast so i iTunes, Spotify, 
SoundCloud. I mean, it's actually anywhere. Just look up Nerds and Suits movies. You will hear me give you news every single day. I review every movie throughout the week as they come out. Um, before they come out, I go see press screenings all week. And uh, I can be your source about 10 minutes a day, not even like seven minutes a day of content, uh, little two minute reviews and things like that. And I'm continuing to build that. So check that out. The Movie Trivia Schmodown. I have a live match at the El Portal Theater in North Hollywood on June 2nd as Team Action. We're going to be coming out being total dicks which is always really fun. So if you're in Los Angeles and you want to come and see a live show, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. They're going to sell the place out. And, uh, you know. There's also a, a Ben Bateman gif on the oh, Facebook yeah. and Twitter. Oh, yeah. uh, I noticed that this morning. That was so fun. If you look up Ben Bateman as a gif now, you can see my entrance from the Schmodown free-for-all uh, a couple weeks ago. And, and it's great. I actually have a match dropping in 12 minutes right now. By the time you guys hear this, it'll have already dropped. But uh, yeah, so go check that out. That's the thing. Um, I think that's going to wrap us up for the show today. So, Michael, thank you so much for guesting on the show and filling Thanks in. Thanks for having me. For Alex, you know, Alex, you should be embarrassed with the embarrassing bet that you lost that put me in the driver's seat here. You should be, I hope you're embarrassed. Tweet, guys, tweet at Alex, at Kess Wiley. Tweet at him at how embarrassed he should be of the, of the embarrassing general bet that he lost to me that made me host the show today. You can't even know what it is. I'm not even going to tell you. Just let him know that he should be embarrassed. Um, All right, that's going to do it, guys. So thanks for listening to the show today, and we'll be back same time, same place next week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your Dominary pre-release. Bye, guys. See ya. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.